There's a presumption that at various parts in our lives we'll be making some critical financial decisions and they won't all come at the right time of the economic cycle. So it's important that you understand where we are along that economic path. There's a new book out called The Secret Wealth Advantage, which helps uh, in that analysis, giving you an insight into the financial and economic cycle. For more now, let's talk to the author, Akhil Patel, who joins us. Welcome. Um, it's a great read, easy read as well, I should say, because it's all split up nicely. It's got lots of um, little uh, anecdotes and, and nice uh, diagrams and so forth to go to explain uh, some of the points you're making. But why do you feel it was necessary to write this book? Um, two reasons. The first is that is there is not enough knowledge of how the entire sort of economic cycle plays out. Uh, and I think the current news is an example of that. And the second thing is even the few that do understand the cycle are looking for ideas on how to practically implement uh, the ideas, the actions that go along with investing in accordance with the cycle, not against it. So in addition to what I said at the top, is that it's important for obviously people to understand when they make these critical financial decisions, because they don't all come at the right, right time of the mm -hmm. cycle. Um, so why would you say it is important to, to get an understanding of the contents of this? Well, economies go through periods of boom and bust, um, and they last on average with actually surprisingly little variation, 18 years. If you understand the historical pattern, you can have a reasonable understanding and insight as to what's coming next. And then you can prepare your financial decisions accordingly and your business decisions and whatever other major financial decisions you have. How would you describe the book? Because it, it relates specifically to a particular area of the market. But as we've spoken before about this cyclical analysis, it's actually fascinating to catch up on the underlying messaging that's coming through here. Um, who are you aiming it at? Is it those that are making these decisions or is it more of an interesting read for the broader public? Um, it's primarily aimed at those who are making decisions, but I've tried to make it accessible and readable and hopefully I will catch some of the broader reading public. I've got a lot of historical anecdotes about different stages of the cycle from history. Um, and I think that is, I think hopefully people will find that quite interesting. Let's, let's, let's pick up on that in just a minute. I want to dig deeper on this analysis, this cyclical analysis, first of all. Um, you, I think the most important cycle is the 18-year cycle, That's isn't right. it? Um, explain more about that and, 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 and how far back in history you're going, because obviously you've got to have enough proof to suggest there's, there's going to be further trajectory from this point. Um, explain more about this 18-year cycle. So it's an 18-year cycle of boom and bust, typically 14 years of expansion, four years of crash, crisis, recovery. Uh, and that 14-year expansion itself is divided into roughly two even halves interrupted by a mid-cycle recession. Um, it's a pretty stable historical pattern. The only thing that's interrupted it historically has been the two world wars. Uh, and you can trace it back, as some authors indeed have done, to before 1800 in the UK and 1800 in the US. So where are we now at the moment? A lot of people feeling a lot of pain out there. And of course, a lot of people are having to make those really important critical decisions. We've been hearing a lot about people going into early retirement because of COVID. Mm. They might have felt that it was the wrong moment. They might be invested in the wrong areas. Um, so, so where are we particularly along that 18-point cycle? Well, it's now a global cycle. And globally, we are going through the stage of the cycle called the land boom, where there is actually quite a lot of activity in the real estate market, in construction, uh, you're starting to see quite a lot of speculative behaviours, particularly in the Middle East and in Asia and so on. Um, 
I, I do admit in the UK things are a little difficult at the moment, partly because we've had such a reaction both to the pandemic and also to uh, the war in Ukraine. Um, but nonetheless, if you'd asked 100 economists at the start of last year, um, interest rates will be at 6% in the mortgage market um, and there will be inflation and policymakers will give us an idea that they have no idea what's going on. Would that lead to a property collapse? They'll, of course, say, yes, it would. And yet we've not had anything like that. And partly because people are still out there spending money, rents are going up. Eventually, these will capitalize into higher property prices that will induce more construction. And we will see in time uh, the boom that other parts of the world are experiencing. That's a really interesting point. Um, You say it's now a global cycle, Mm. um, which suggests that we, in the last 200 years, we're not looking all around the world. We've only looking at certain specific areas. How far back does the data go in different countries? Are you talking mainly about the UK and possibly the US? Or where are you getting that 200-year-old data? Um, I mean, the UK and the US have been the most stable politically over that period. So you can trace the history. Other countries have been reunified, they've been split apart, they've endured various sort of civil wars and so on. Um, Some were, in fact, colonies of of major Western powers for a lot of that time. So you see it most clearly in the UK and the US. You also see it uh, from about the late 19th century in Japan. Um, in parts of Germany and, and France over, over that period of time as well. Uh, and I point to some of the historical dates for the cycles in various countries uh, in the appendix in the book. Mm. Now it's a global cycle. Presumably it adds a sort of a stability to local regions, such as the UK is a local region, of course, in, in, the, big, mm. in the big picture. Um, do you think that's a truism? Do you think this, this harmony is genuinely global now, is it? I think it's partly driven by the flow of capital around the world uh, and the fact that capital often ends up in sort of local real estate markets, which then go up at roughly the same time. And then, as we saw in 2008, a lot of economies crashed at the same time and then reset at the same time and started the current cycle uh, at the same time. And I don't have any reason to believe that won't uh, continue indefinitely into the future. I suppose the one uh, wild card in all of this, uh, which I allude to in the final chapter of the book, is does China experience the same stable 18-year pattern uh, as the US, the UK and other countries? And that I think we just have to wait and see. My expectation that it is uh, going to do that because uh, Chinese investors like uh, speculating, in, is speculating in property just like the rest of us. Um, but it's still a hypothesis at this moment in time. So, so those feeling the pain of 6% interest rates on their mortgages, and you say all around us we're hearing this noise about the great property crash that's due to come, which hasn't already happened, as you said. Uh, what is coming next in this cycle? What would you expect the UK to experience over the next two or three years? Well, I think we've already passed peak inflation. Um, I think we had a bit of a reaction to... Uh, maybe higher than expected inflation for the current trajectory uh, in the last few weeks, which sort of panicked the mortgage market a little bit. The the sort of variable rate mortgages only affect a very small part of the market. I think once things settle down, which they will have to at some point, um, you will find that the higher rents will eventually capitalise into higher property prices, and you'll get the continuation of the very hot property market that we saw saw at the start of Uh, last year, and which is at the moment slightly on pause. Um, And I think that will continue and we'll see uh, the remainder of the boom years in the UK as well, in the US and in parts of Europe. Let's pick up on the point about artificial intelligence. Uh, it's It's come up to us really fast. And we've seen lots of evidence to suggest that a lot of companies are beginning to benefit from the interest globally that there is around AI at the moment. To what degree is this going to 
get involved with or even interfere with the 18-year cycle, do you think? If anything, it will make it bigger. Um, in the well, book, wider swings within wider the swings, right. yes, yeah, so more volatility, more excitement. I mean, it's, it's, there's one one definite reaction to it has been the excitement about the boundless possibility, and we're just at the you know the foothills of what the possibility uh, really is going to be. Um, in the book, in chapter ten, which covers the land boom, I actually talk about a novel technology that was introduced at the equivalent stage in the previous cycle, in a previous cycle rather, and that was the railways in, in the 1840s in the UK. It wasn't a very new technology, but suddenly everyone was interested in it. Everyone wanted to be involved in a railway scheme. Everyone wanted to invest in it. And it created what The Economist called the greatest bubble in history, at least in relation to the size of the UK economy at the time. You can certainly see a repeat of that kind of behaviour and that sort of impact with AI, because, you know, as you say, CEOs, even if their company has got very little to do with the underlying technology, yeah. are talking about how AI is improving their business processes and so mm. on. Yeah, I was going to ask you to pick up on a couple of interesting stories. One was the the, the, the railway story. The other one's about golf clubs. Which <laughs> Tell us more about that, because there, uh, that sort of kept me going, really. I think, not kept me going, but it, it gave me some interesting extra dimensions to add into this, which is what is essentially a fairly dry sort of understanding of cyclical yeah. analysis. But these little stories are great. They popped up every now and again, the golf club, when I thought was interesting. Yeah, so that relates to the next stage of the cycle, which is the final couple of years before the peak, that, and I call it the mania. And to illustrate that period of the cycle, I talk about Japan, and Japan in the 80s had a, a really major property boom. I think, you know, it's quite famous. People know about it. And one of the interesting features of the speculation in that boom was Japan being fairly land poor. There's all these golf clubs sprouting out all over the place. Um, and you could buy and sell golf, mem golf memberships on the Nikkei Golf Index. Uh, and at one point uh, towards the peak in 1990, uh, the, the volume of uh, trading in that market was a approximately the same volume uh, as economic transactions in the whole of Switzerland. So it was an enormous, uh, enormous speculative boom. The other indicator that you can look out for is uh, record prices paid for artworks at auction. Yeah. So you've quite a reliable one. Um, one. One final question I want to ask, and that is the naysayers. Um, when you stick your head up above the parapet wall, you're always going to be shot down by some people. I know that uh, there, are, there are some people that in our past interviews on, on this very subject have said, well, it doesn't apply now. Um, what do you say to people that Presumably, don't understand it more than anything else. But perhaps even if they do understand it, they're saying we've now got an adjustment to that because of whatever it may be. What what is what is your defence of this eighteen-year cycle and our need to stick to it? It's fundamentally based upon uh, probably the primary law of economics, which is the law of economic rent, which was articulated by David Ricardo in the early nineteenth century. That law continues to operate. It's why land and property are central to the cycle. And until we get something to disrupt that process, and we haven't seen it yet in 200 years, despite the enormous changes that our societies have gone through, until we see something to change that, you'll get cycles and you'll get cycles on time. Mm, interesting. As I say, fascinating to read. Thanks indeed, Akka, for coming in. It's a pleasure to be able to talk to you about this. Uh, the book's called The Secret Wealth Advantage, and uh, it's an idea as to how you can profit from opportunity within that 18-year cycle. That's Akil Patel, a newly published author.